Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Carmen Pugliafito, and welcome to Retina Synthesis. We're here today with Dr. Hani Salehi Had of Huntington Beach, California, a very active clinical investigator in new retina drugs and therapeutic approaches. Hani, welcome to Retina Synthesis. Thank you so much, Carmen, for the nice introduction. I'm happy to be with you guys and uh, go over the results of this trial. Uh, we're very excited today to talk about the four-year results of the the Diabetic Retinopathy Network Study W. Can you tell us about the protocol in Study W? And more importantly, why Study W is important in guiding us in clinical practice? Uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we've known for a very long time that anti-VEGF uh, therapies are very effective treatments for any diabetic retinopathy that we deal with, including proliferative disease and diabetic macular edema. The question we wanted to answer with Protocol W was, if you treat patients at high risk earlier, prior to the development of these vision-threatening complications, can you actually prevent them from happening? And if you prevent these problems from happening, can you save their vision? Are we saving some vision by treating these patients early or um, just wait and watch and treat them when the complications develop is a sufficient strategy? So that was the nidus for doing the trial. Uh, a quick summary of what actually the trial entailed. There was two arms. One arm was basically wait and treat as needed for development of center involving DME with vision loss or proliferative disease. And the other arm was treatment with a flibercept uh, monthly for the first three months, then every other month for the first visit. So two months after the first three monthly injections followed by visits every four months. In the first two years, patients receive treatment every time. In the latter two years, the second two years, patients receive treatment only if they had more than mild or moderate uh, non-proliferative retinopathy, meaning anything worse than level 35, they receive the treatment. So those were the two arms, and that was the reason we did the trial. What was the frequency of examination in the sham group? So the sham group also followed up um, exactly like the treatment arm did. They just didn't get treatments. Now, once they crossed the threshold of needing treatment, then those treatments were given according to the prior protocols of the network. So proliferative disease, once it developed on either group, was treated according to protocol um, S algorithm. And uh, diabetic macular edema followed protocol T algorithm. So basically, they got treated. Once they got developed the condition, they got treated more frequently. Uh, but before that, they were seen every four months, essentially. What were the two-year results like? So in two years, basically, we showed about a 50% reduction in rate of progression of the um, development of either events, meaning either proliferative disease or diabetic macular edema. The reduction was about 50%. And 
the uh, if you divide it out between proliferative disease and diabetic macular edema, actually more patients developed proliferative disease compared to macular edema. And I, I got to circle back. The level of retinopathy in this trial started at 47 and 53, which is severe non-proliferative retinopathy. But patients that were deemed to have level 47 by the investigator and the reading center um, read them out to be 43 were also included. So it was a little bit different um, than the other uh, protocols that uh, in, you know studied the same study population. So was it similar to Panorama? So yeah, it was similar to Panorama with the exception of including some level 43 patients. And the, um, the number of patients that were 43 was low. I think it was less than 20%. Uh, but there were some patients that were read to be level 43, but the investigator had thought that they were level 47. Well, these are impressive results in the treatment arm. What happened in the sham arm? In two years. Uh, so, so yeah, sham arm similarly developed um, proliferative disease. So uh, I think at two years, um, the, the numbers were 40% of the patients in the sham arm developed either events. And about 30% of patients developed proliferative disease. And I think 20% of them developed uh, macular edema. And obviously, there's some overlap there. Uh, but um, but that, that rate was cut by half by treating them with a flibercept. So in the visual results between the two groups? Uh, so again, if we're talking the two years, uh, the vision was pretty much not changed. At two years, uh, the vision was the same as the uh, pre-trial vision for the patients in both groups. And by the way, these patients all had 2025. Uh, level equivalent vision uh, uh, on the ATDRS chart. Um, so all of them started with good vision and all of them maintained good vision with no clinically significant difference between the two arms. So remind us about what happened in the in years two, three, well, years three and four. So in years three and four, basically patients received fewer injections in the treatment arm because there were some patients that had enough of a two-step improvement or three-step improvement in their retinopathy that were um, not needing injections. But still, majority of patients still continue to receive injections every four months in the treatment arm. In the sham arm, more patients developed the vision-threatening complications between years three and four, and more patients needed a flibercept injections for the treatment of the diabetic macular edema and proliferative disease. So by the end of the trial, our numbers were 57% of patients needing uh, treatment for either condition in the sham arm versus 34% in the treatment arms. And if you divvy it up between proliferative disease uh, and diabetic macular edema, proliferative condition developed in 40% uh, of patients uh, versus 
I think, I'm sorry, I think 48% of patients versus 28% of patients. And the diabetic macular edema was 19% versus 11%. So still you have about a 50% reduction in uh, rate of development of these complications. But as would be expected, with more time, more patients developed edema and more patients developed proliferative disease actually in both arms, but at a lower rate in the treatment arm. What were the visual acuity results at the end of four years between the two groups? So both groups lost about two letters of vision. So really essentially unchanged. Uh, and, and both groups had, you know, the difference was obviously not clinically significant at all. Um, so results are equivalent, uh, equivalent in terms of visual acuity outcomes, no matter what treatment strategy you pick. So what was the cell, Snell and equivalent vision? Um, I think you're still up 2025, 20, essentially unchanged. So these are impressive results. What was the conclusion that the, the uh, network made about this? So the conclusions were um, that if you do treat patients at an earlier time frame, you may reduce the rate of progression uh, to proliferative disease or macular edema. However, if you just watch them closely enough and treat them as needed, one, you use fewer injections and less medications, and two, you will end up with the same visual outcomes. And, you know, because the study went long enough, I don't think there's any question about, well, what, do you, what happens to these patients once you go longer, once you stop treating them, what happens? I think it's pretty clear the progression of the retinopathy will continue at the same rate as prior to treatment if you don't do anything. Um, and this graph can continue to go forward. I don't think anything will change in year five and six. You will just have more patients develop retinopathy at the, um, you know, on par with the prior years. And you'll have fewer patients develop it, but still continue to develop retinopathy with few treatments of every four months. Now, you know, the, we can only answer the question based on the study design and the way we followed patients. So these patients that were not treated were followed pretty closely every four months. And the patients that were treated perhaps were treated infrequently with a flibercept, which was every four months. So we really wouldn't know if we chose a different treatment strategy if the numbers were different. What was the, uh, is, can you tell us the average number of injections over four years in the treatment group versus the sham group? Uh, yes. So the treatment arm um, on average received, um, I think 8.9 injections and the sham arm received three and a half injections. Per year? Uh, yes. I think this is the totals per year, but uh, no, no, no. I think this is the total for four years. But let me look at oh. the exact numbers. I have them with me, and I can pull that up while you ask the next question. Well, the next question is, um, 
This is this, of course, was in a clinical trial. The sham patients were in a clinical trial. Do you think in the real world with poor compliance or average compliance, the results would be the same? Uh, another really good question. We did lose patients. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And uh, patients uh, with uh, diabetes, in fact, are, um, you know, we do have um, compliance issues with patient follow-ups, as we all know. Uh, overall retention for the study was still very good, but um, nothing is 100% even in a clinical trial. And you're 100% accurate in that, um, you know, we uh, don't see patients on schedule and on time every time. And in a clinical trial, you have more eyes on the patients. You have your coordinators calling, right? You have the DRCR network sending letters and calling to try to get patients back. On that point, 75% uh, of patients in the Flibercept group and 73% of patients in the Sham group completed four years. So even in the ideal scenario, which these are actually pretty good numbers uh, considering a four-year trial, you still lose about a quarter of your patients. And what happens to those patients, you know, we don't know. Um, you know, there is a lot of effort being made in trying to get uh, patients back and even uh, find some of the lost data from all our trials. Um, but uh, yeah, we're not going to really know that uh, answer. But you're 100% you're accurate. We don't know what happens to patients when we, when we um, don't see them in the clinic. So let me give you the averages uh, of the injections over the four years. It was 13 injections on the Flibercep arm and three and a half injections in the sham arm. So quite a bit of difference between the two arms in terms of the average number of injections. Big difference. So yeah. the, the number of injections and the drug costs substantially less. Yes, 100% uh, in terms of drug costs, you, you save a lot of money if you um, just go on a treat as needed approach with close monitoring. In the real world, what percent of clinicians are using the treat-as-needed approach versus the pre-treatment approach? You know, that question comes up at every meeting, and um, you can see that the number of pay, uh, you know physicians that raise their arm has continued to go down after more data has become available. Uh, I think most people don't treat non-proliferative disease. I would say maybe 90% of clinicians don't treat non-proliferative disease with no other complications. Uh, but there are some uh, physicians that treat patients at high risk, quote unquote. Um, but to be honest with you, unless you're treating those patients on a regular basis, you're really not going to gain much out of earlier treatment that trajectory of disease progression is not going to be changed by early treatment. Once you stop those treatments, they're back on progressing the same way as they were pr prior to your treatment. Is Protocol W finished? Uh, for, Protocol W is finished. Um, there may be some sub-analyses done on the data that we have for subgroups and or cost analysis. So there may be other publications that will come up other than the main publication. Um, uh, but yes, there is no more data being collected.
Honey, thank you for a wonderful discussion of a very influential protocol. I think this really changed clinical practice. Uh, yeah, I think the protocol was very well designed. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Carmen. It was a pleasure speaking with you and to your audience. Good day, everyone.